Hey friends, I'm Jennifer, and you're listening to the Beauty Business Game Changer Podcast, a podcast for beauty industry providers and business owners that are wanting to level up their game to create a profitable career. If you're feeling stuck and you want more out of this industry, then join me as I share with you my strategies, lessons I've learned along the way, and how I overcame fear by shifting my mindset to build a healthy business. I built a solid book behind the chair, launched a bridal company, became a salon suite owner to most recently opening up a salon. As creative entrepreneurs, we need an education that empowers us and makes an impact on helping us raise our standards. My mission is to teach you how you can reach your goals quickly, build your books and your business faster, and master the framework for creating a successful and rewarding career. Thank you for joining me. Let's do this. Welcome to your Game Changer Podcast. Welcome back to the Beauty Business Game Changer Podcast. I'm your host, Jennifer Alvarez. Today, you guys, I'm so excited to introduce to you a friend and a girl boss. Her name is Katie Whitledge. She is the founder of Meet Your Stylist. She is the owner of Be Inspired Salon, which she just celebrated her 10-year anniversary as a salon owner of Be Inspired. And she also is the amazing podcast host for Beyond the Technique. Katie, welcome to the Beauty Business Game Changer podcast. Thank you, Jennifer. I'm so happy to be here with you today and with everybody listening. Thank you for asking me to be a part of this. Absolutely. Um, You know, it's funny because I am a podcast junkie. And so I'm always trying to find like who has the best information to share, who is just like killing it in this industry. And I came across Katie's podcast maybe sometime around um, early last year. And I've just been binging and I'm a super fan of you. And I listen weekly. So I, you know, you guys need to make sure to, to check out Katie because the information that you're sharing, especially right now with everything going on, you're you're amazing. And I just want to thank you for always sharing your inspiration and knowledge with everybody. Thank you, Jennifer. We really love this platform, the Beyond the Technique podcast platform, because it's not me. I'll do an episode here and there, but it's all the guests that we bring on, which includes you. You've been a guest of ours. And so it's just a testament to how incredible our industry is and how many people are willing to sit down and give back and that give that free education and advice away for all of us so that we can grow and, and get better every year in business. So I'm really thankful to be here with you and to have that opportunity every week to launch episodes. This, I mean, We need the podcast. This industry needed podcasts and now we have it. And so, yeah, I mean, just to have this series, even for everybody on on money is so important for growing business owners or stylists. So congrats to you as well. And I'm a fan of yours as well. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. I, I think that now more than ever, it's like, now that I'm a business owner as well, it's like, I still have so much to learn as well. And all the things that I did learn, I just want to share with other people because I'm always like, don't make the same mistakes that I did. And this is what I learned along the way. And you too can be a business owner and make it happen in your life if you choose to do so. Um, And yeah, so we're talking this money talk series. And you guys, I had to get Katie on because like I said, she just celebrated her 10 year anniversary as the owner of Be Inspired. And I really wanted to hear about your journey like how did this come about like how did you become a salon owner oh well 
first before the salon owner road, I was like this wild child pastor's kid. And so, and when you grow up in a small town in Wisconsin, everybody knows everything about you, your family, you know, the good, the bad, the everything in between. And I really was going through this rebellious stage. So I moved to the big city of Addison where, okay, now I actually <laughs> didn't get caught every time I drank. I had five underage drinking tickets growing up. Just to give you one little bitty glimpse of, of some of the, the tumultuous things I was a part of. But when I moved to Madison, I realized like, oh my gosh, um, nobody really knows me here. I can actually party harder more often and not get caught. And so what I thought would be this great escape to something bigger and better was actually just a downward spiral, a spiral which kind of taught me that you can't run away from your problems. So it took me a long time to get my life together. And I really attribute that to the grace of God. I feel like the Lord Jesus saved my life. You know, one day it was like a flip of a switch. And I was like, what am I doing? I'm 23 years old. I was pushing 280 pounds at the time. And not that I'm a small girl now, but it was like, I was living so, uh, such a dangerous lifestyle where I'm just thankful every day that I, I woke up the next day. And so eventually I hit that, you know, rock bottom and I thought, well, what the heck am I going to do with my life? And the first thing I did was I just clinged to the cross and I went to church and I read the Bible and I, I was kind of a loner for a little bit. And then, you know, my family was like, Katie, you really have a great eye for fashion and style. And, and I think you'd be great in cosmetology. You know, this local tech school has a program. What do you think? And I thought, you know, I really enjoy that. I look, I look at people and see their face shape and their skin tone, and I can kind of pick out like, hey, this would be great for you. I had the vision of what could look good on people. And so I decided to sign up for cosmetology school. And lo and behold, they actually had a full schedule. Like they weren't taking anybody new. They had a wait list. So I got on the wait list and I was like, well, I don't want to do nothing. So being very obese and unhealthy at the time, what could I do? Well, I signed up for their group health club technician program. And that, what better way to learn how to get healthy yourself than be in a program that teaches you how to help others get healthy. And so it was the first time in my life that I graduated with a 4.0. I was committed, dedicated, and I was consistent. I showed up every day and that translated into then beauty school. So what was cool is while I was going to beauty school, I was teaching group fitness and I was still over 200 pounds at the time. And it was just cool that the Lord opened up these doors for me to be a fitness instructor for these fit women in the Madison area. And I was their instructor and I could do that while going to beauty school. And then also I was serving at a local restaurant like four nights a week. So I literally was putting in about 70 hours a week, uh, just to make things happen, to have money to pay, live on my own. I got, you know, when you live that lifestyle of, of drugs or substance abuse or partying, you tend to, when you walk away, you got to walk away from everybody and everywhere you used to be. And so I was living alone and I needed to support myself while going to school. So 70 hours a week, I'm grinding. I got out of school and I started behind the chair as a hairstylist. I loved it. I, I wasn't actually, you know, I had the vision for people, but I wasn't actually great at necessarily executing, but I was really great at building a clientele, building relationships, selling, retaining all of the things that matter um, in, in your long-term success behind the chair that goes beyond your technical skills. And after three years of growing very, very quickly, 
I realized that the environment I in, it wasn't negative, but it was, it was that there wasn't this teamwork effect. There wasn't this automatic like education, advanced um, education platform that we could always have in our, you know, so on. And I was like, man, I kind of want to be in a different environment, not because of the people, because the people were awesome. It's just, I wanted to get us to the next level. Like what's the next level up? And because there was kind of a lack of teamwork in some regard, like there, it wasn't even built out to be a space where somebody else would be willing to come into your like cubicle area. Like we had these stations in the salon where you would do the haircut and the shampooing right there. So the sink was right there, the, the chair, everything was like in one almost like cubicle, even though it was an opened up commission salon. So with that layout, even I thought, well, nobody's willing to really come in and help me shampoo. I'm double, I'm triple booked. I can't keep this going. So either I need to get into a booth rental and just do my own thing, or maybe this would be an opportunity to start a small salon. And so I started that, that, you know, kind of looking around that process of discovery of locations. And I was really excited that I found this little spot. It was only 750 square feet, super small. And I was able to build it out with five stations and two shampoo bowls and two dryer chairs. So in 2010, we opened Be Inspired Salon in Madison, Wisconsin. That's where it all began. And I just knew that the birth of this, like my first like birth of a baby, this like was my baby was just so special. And I really just wanted to have this brand like live out what I felt would be the most, I guess, fulfilling and type of environment for myself and other stylists to be a part of. What an amazing journey. That That is incredible. And I love the fact that you faced a lot of challenges along the way. It wasn't like an easy path. And I think a lot of people can relate to that. Um, but every time that you were faced against a challenge, you were able to persevere and move forward. And I love that you took those challenges then to help other people as well. I think that's, I mean, you're, you're so beautiful inside and out. And I wish people could see you right now because you're just glowing. And I think that, yeah, God has just like breathed into your direction. It's amazing. Are you still in the 700 square foot space? So in 2010, we opened Be Inspired Salon with just two stylists in that 750 square foot space. About three years later, the space next door to us became available. So we knocked down some walls and moved into it. At the time, I think we were about, at, I don't know, 10 to 12 total team members. Now we were in 1150 square feet. So we were in 1150 square feet all the way up until we had 19 employees. We had a 115 square foot break room, but you know, in the back, it was not sexy. It was very hard. You would think a smaller space would be easier to keep clean, but it was so much stuff. There were so many people. Uh, it was a challenge and we were like, oh my gosh, we're bursting at the seams. And we were really proud because we built that company to a seven figure business in just 1150 square feet. So I knew, oh my gosh, this is possible. We're doing it. What are the capabilities if we go bigger? So there's a friend of mine in the real estate industry who said, Hey, there's this new development going off. That's three miles away from where you're at. It's going to be just under 2,500 square feet. You'll have the front end cap space of this building and above are going to be luxury apartments. And it's a, it's a new way of living. They have even like a little dog park there, you know? So we were like, yeah, let's look at it. What was crazy is 
when we went to expand now for the third time, we were now entering into a whole new type of build out where the building doesn't exist. I could never walk in and see like, this is your space. Well, you know, now let's plan it out. I actually worked, worked with a designer who's not even in my state. So I've been used to this virtual life, you know, pre COVID, like even before COVID hit, like just getting things done without there even being a, a space to look, walk into and, and look at and working with somebody virtually. So they had to put the piping down. You know, we had to basically have our floor plan done in a matter of a month before they started putting like plumbing and all the, the different things that would, would be in our space. Cause right beneath us is underground parking. So a lot had to be figured out before we even saw this thing built out, which was kind of a risk, but we went for it. And in, that was in July of 2018 that we moved into that space. And now we've been there two years. And of course, just celebrated 10 years as a company. And now we're at a team of over 20, um, which fluctuates anywhere from 20 to 25 in any given season. So it's been really quite the ride and a lot of growth in those 10 years. Holy smokes, that's amazing. And I love the fact, I love that you did start out small of something that was like, you could do this alone, you could grow it at your pace as a po- I think a lot of people when they're ready to um, start a business they just dive right in with their eyes closed without even like knowing all of the different logistics and the fundamentals that go into being a business owner are you glad that you took it that journey well absolutely and I recommend that to everybody because it's easy to get bigger it's hard to go from big to smaller when you have when you realize you're in over your head or what you signed up for is not sustainable. So I always recommend starting small anywhere from even three to five stations or five to seven, you know, that seven station is a sweet spot because of just looking at the numbers. I I think that I, I didn't even know better that I was kind of, you know, I've struggled with ego as many business people do or people that are, are leaders. Sometimes that can be your, Achilles heel is struggling with pride or ego. And I thought, I didn't even think of it. I was like, by the grace of God that we got in a small space because there was another space I was looking at that was huge to begin with. But I felt there was something about the building owner that I felt was not good. There was something shady there in my gut. I was like, oh, I can't go into business with this person or like be tied to them in a lease. So it was kind of by default that I started so small, but I'm glad that we did. Because I had the ego that I'm an amazing performer. Behind the chair. <laughs> my my money alone will pay for this. I could have my own behind the chair. Everything will cover all the costs. I mean, who wouldn't want to invest in this? And by the way, since we're talking money, when I first opened that salon, you know, 2009 is when I started looking at properties. I created the business plan with a friend of mine who's brilliant at the things that I am not, which is also powerful for people to hear because when you're starting this out, you cannot do it alone. But who's going to lend money to somebody who, A, I had no assets. So even though I had no debt to my name as a young 26-year-old at the time, I didn't have any assets. They couldn't take a house from me if I screwed up. And so when I started this, how am I going to get a bank to believe in me? Well, the banks are not lending. We're fresh off of that 2008 recession. And so I had to go out and, you know, guerrilla market per se, which means you're on foot having meetings face to face with people who you, who you want to say, hey, will you lend me this money? 
I'll give you at the time it was a 7% interest return. That's huge. Nowadays it's like, no, that would be ridiculous. So expensive money. Will you believe in me? Will you give me this amount of money? I'll give you this back. We'll create an agreement with my attorney, but you can't have any ownership at all. And, you know, that's a big thing to try to do. And it worked out, you know, so we went in there with three different non-owner investors and that was just under, it was like literally $95,000 is what we used to start the salon. And, um, you know, things changed once we moved into our new home that we're in right now. Now we're talking about a $500,000 build out, you know, now we're talking a whole different birdie and I could get into that deal that we made, but that was an interesting process. And it was again, by the grace of God that we started small because had I got in over my head, what I realized when we open is no, your numbers alone can't make this all happen. You have to right away when you're an owner with a team, figure out how do I build them up so that their financials, what they're doing in service sales, retail sales, that your revenue as a company could absolutely make everything work in your salon business without you. You have to figure that out. You know, if you are behind the chair, think of it like a bonus, but it can't be what's, you know, determining if your company is surviving or thriving. That's got to be separate from your PL. And so, um, yeah, I, I guess dumb luck maybe for that, but I'm thankful because my ego was, was too big for me at that time. And I learned those are, that's a different podcast to talk about the lessons I learned in that area. I know we're talking about <laughs> it. goes hand in hand for sure. So when, when you started the 750 square foot salon, that was the first salon, right? Yep. Okay. Yep. So, and you borrowed, you got a loan for $95,000 to do like a build out renovation whatnot, right? At that time, were you also behind the chair? Yep. I was behind the chair at the beginning, um, but right off the bat, I was nurturing my guests in a way to be open to seeing my other stylists. I had two stylists that joined the team when I first opened. Neither one of them had clientele at all. One was fresh out of beauty school. The other was moving here from Milwaukee. So they didn't know or have any clients here. So it was immediate. And by the way, when you, when I first opened, there was no like hourly rate I could give anybody. They were straight up a commission from day one, but it was like such a pressure on me. There's no way I'm going to allow my stylist that are joining my team, taking this leap of joining a salon that, A, there's no brand recognition, you know, it's brand new. They're basically buying into me. They believe in me and what I tell them is gonna happen with their future and they're taking a risk and saying, okay, I have faith in you, Katie, let's do this. So now it's on me to make sure that they're successful. So right off the bat, I'm transitioning as many of my guests, because you know, at the time I was double, triple booked, so I'm transitioning as many of them over to my stylist as possible along with that guerrilla marketing to build up their clientele with new guests. We are just scouring the area we're in. We're going to every single expo event, every opportunity. Even when I couldn't afford to do a magazine ad, I figured out a way to go in on one ad with a couple partnering businesses that all reflected uh, our bridal business that we wanted to do together. There was a lot of creative shoestring budget marketing approaches to helping us grow our clientele for our stylists. And they did very well. 
uh, which I'm very thankful for by being on commission. But we were, uh, that 70 hour work week from beauty school did not end really until, I don't even know, maybe a, a couple of years ago, a year ago. <laughs> oh my gosh. So you had to hustle yeah. and. Yeah. Basically when I had a baby that I was like, okay, I actually can't physically do seven, 50 hours a week. I can't work all the time. So that that's really when things change, just having a baby. But prior to that, and by him, what when you're in it, it's fun, right? Like, so it didn't feel that I was working all the time, but I get, being a workaholic is topic three we'll have to do in the future. <laughs> Absolutely. And I think uh, maybe being behind the chair, working full time, and being a business owner, trying to lead a team, I feel like it's not sustainable because your team really needs your attention. Um, and so does the financial aspects of it as well. And then I really feel strongly too as a business owner now that we really need to focus on marketing, nurturing our team, growing our team, being behind the chair, doing great hair, haircuts, makeup and things like that. Yes, I think that it can be fulfilling in certain ways, um, but I think in the long, long term, it, it could, it could hurt our business. Do you think so too? Well, I guess there's gotta be some boundaries there. I see, I see how important it is to be an owner of a salon and work on the business. And that may look a little different for people. I don't there, I don't think there's any business model out there, successful salon business model out there where the salon owner can be full time behind the chair. But can they be behind the chair possibly? You know, maybe it's some extravagant VIP access to the owner because they love what they do behind the chair. They have a handful of clients they want to take care of and they set very strict boundaries to those behind the chair hours. And that could be somewhat of a creative outlet for them, but the overarching like dominant amount of time and attention needs to be working on the business for the business to be successful. So I personally don't work in the salon anymore. And that's just been a progression of learning business. One of the best books I could ever share and anybody that I coach, you know, one-on-one through Beyond the Technique as a new salon owner, I I make them read this book and it's called The E-Myth. The E-Myth. And what you're going to learn is when you're behind the chair, you're a technician, right? You're a service provider. So most people think I'm going to, I'm going to go start the salon because I want to do what I do and I want to do it with other people. They open it up and then they realize, oh my gosh, now I'm a service provider and I just added on another title, which is managing. I got to manage the business and I got to manage the people. And now you are working to death. Your health could be suffering. You're not sleeping. You're grinding. You're doing whatever it takes to be successful, but you are still not quite that entrepreneur. So to be an entrepreneur, you have to have a company or an enterprise that works without you. And I didn't really know anything about this until I showed up to a local business networking group and this guy stood up and he was very black and white type of guy, you know, very monotone, bulky, big, burly. And he's like talking so straightforward and he's a business coach. And it was through this franchise organization that's global called Action Coach. And what he was saying, I went, first off, I love that kind of coaching. Give it to me straight. Let's not, today, I don't want to talk about feelings. I got my life coach for that, for, for my business coach. I just, I want to give it to me straight. And he was that kind of guy. And you know what? In 2013, I sat down with him 
for coffee to, to talk about what does it mean to get coached, you know, have a business coach. I had no clue what a cash flow forecast was. That was never my strength. And he was $2,000 a month to work with. Now I met with him once a week. So if you do the math, that's a $500 per one hour session every time. And I thought, well, my gosh, like this scares the crap out of me. How am I ever going to come up with this in my financials? But I took the leap. I thought, you know what? Saving this wage. So we prevent ourselves from hiring the manager we should or, you know, other stuff, whatever it is, a business coach, because we think, oh, what about the money? Saving that wage is costing you a fortune. By hiring him, we grew in the first year of working with him, our company, by, I'm not kidding, 878% profits. Oh, it grew that gosh. much. Almost 900%. That's crazy. Yeah. I couldn't have done that without a business coach. So again, you can't start a salon on your own. You can't grow a salon on your own. You can't be the only leader there long term. So to really move yourself from manager to entrepreneur, you have to put great people in place. You have to get your processes and systems in place. It doesn't mean those won't forever evolve and change with new trends, new technology that makes things easier or whatnot. But if you aren't stepping back away and looking at the big picture and working with somebody who can help you grow, then you're going to get stuck in the midst of the hustle and bustle. And usually that ties with, you know, drama and culture struggles and all the things that prevent you from kind of breaking through to the next level of ownership. And I'm not even there yet. You know, I have one location that's expanded three times. Then the, what's the next goal? Possibly multi-location. What, you know, one of the biggest questions I heard a couple of years ago, and I can't even remember who said this, but I'll never forget it which is imagine, like close your eyes and imagine that a, a salon opens up right next door to yours. They put you out of business. Now, what did they do? What were they doing? So thinking about what, what are the new innovative ways we can run business? Um, I think oftentimes we look in these Facebook groups of what other salons that we respect and admire are doing. And I think that's awesome. Keep that up. In addition to keeping that up, maybe look outside the industry. You know, Action Coach was not a coaching company within our industry, but I latched onto them and thank God I did. It opened up so many doors. The birth of Meet Your Stylist and Beyond the Technique would never even be a thing had the salon not been in a position that it really didn't need me. It wasn't that I wanted to step away from being in the salon and working with the team like every single day it was open. It wasn't that. It was like I did all the things I was taught to do to grow this company to work without me so I wasn't enslaved by it. And now all of a sudden, they don't need me. Now I hope they want me and because I still call every single day. You know, I'm in for events and I meet with our managers for leadership meetings and I'm nurturing them to then for, you know, nurture others. So I'm still engaged. I'm still well aware of everything. And speaking of money, this morning I've already moved 10% of last week's profits over into our profit first account, you know, so there's a lot that I'm doing still engaged with the company, but they don't, the prop, everything's in place. They don't need me. Had I not had that, I would have been freed up to say, well, what else do I want to do? What's that next big scary goal that I could work towards? And that's where in 2014, I developed meet your stylist for my own salon. It wasn't until 2017 after thousands of dollars and working with technology you know, companies and individuals who code and develop things I would have no clue about, things I never thought I would get into. 
all of a sudden I became the owner of a technology company, a marketing software tool, software as a service. So the SaaS business for people who are into tech and know that there's no way I would have ever done that had the salon not been on such a successful path. Um, and I couldn't have done that again alone. So it's been really an interesting ride through all, through all, through it all. I love this. I, I hope that you guys are just like jaw dropped right now because I know that I am like, so when, how many years that you were operating your business that you made that, that switch of, I got to make some adjustments. I got to do something different. And you hired that business coach. How, how many years was it figuring it out until you hired the right help? Hmm, well, pretty much right away. I mean, right when I hired a business coach, we knew like it's time to have a salon manager. And it, it, I guess this is how I coach others too. It's like, you don't look at what you necessarily have right now. So there is a part of me that I do tell people put the cart before the horse once in a while, because if you say, okay, I need to have a salon manager, you know, and you get that advice from your business coach, you're working on it. You look at your numbers and you say, well, what, what do we need to do in revenue to afford that person? So you run the math. If you're paying them $15 an hour and they're working 40 hours a week, what does that cost you every week? So if we do that math 15 times 40, that's $600 per week. Well, can you add on maybe 10 more color appointments this week? How do you, okay, and what does that mean? Well, that's two a day, not even. I mean, it depends if, if you are open six days a week, seven days a week. Could you just put two more color appointments uh, across the board on your team's books? And that would cover more than cover the six. And I'm think of 10, but I'm doing the math of commission, right? So if I know I'm paying out my stylist 40% commission, and I could get into that compensation structure and everything else we provide as far as benefits and whatnot. But if I know that I need to cover $600, that's got to be after we pay out the commission on those services. Are you with me? So if you think about being able to do whatever you want to do, you just got to have the money to do it. Well, how do you make the money? So we got to look at two things. Either we cut expenses and we focus on making sure that, or we're smart about what we spend money on. I always tell people spend money on two things, anything that helps you get and keep clients and anything that helps you get and keep team members. Otherwise, take a look at what you got and you can cut the fat. But if it's helping you get and keep clients or get and keep team members, keep it on your P&L. So once you look at that, then you got to look at, okay, if we want these new things, great. How do we pay for it? Work on sales, work on you know revenue growth. And then you have that zeroed in focus every day. You know, So we kind of call it butts in the seats. When I talk with my um, guest services team, it's like, hey, the main focus, let's fill the gaps. So of course, when we reopened after COVID, we're slammed. And now people are like, we well, you know what? I'm kind of used to going 10 weeks without my hair. I could do this. I mean, look, you can't see me today, but I went from being a level five brunette to being like a seven, nine mix because I'm, my natural outgrowth is a level eight A. No joke. Okay. So I'm already like that same person who is like, you know, I need to be less high maintenance. You know, I'd rather just go more natural right now. Are we seeing this trend? Maybe. And so we need to focus on filling now the books that have, we now have these open spaces. Let's get back to the grind. Don't be scared of advertising and marketing. That will solve most problems, especially the financial ones in your company. 
So that was a lot, Jennifer, but that <laughs> <laughs> was my answer. I, I love that. And I think that you always have to be proactive and always be future focused. And yeah, you're right with, with closing down the salon and then reopening. I, I as well have seen the same type of trend of this super busy um, uh, and adding extra hours as well. And then now it's kind of like, yeah, clients are really thinking about maybe I can stretch it out. Maybe I don't need extensions anymore. So I think that how can we uh, flip the script here, do something different, be proactive by filling in those gaps, investing in your business for advertising and marketing, I think is golden. How was that transition of like looking at your profit and loss statement and, and realizing, okay, I can I can afford a manager. I can afford to buy or to hire some more staff. Like what did that growth financially look like for you to start scaling your business? I mean, well, it went from like 600 grand a year to almost a million dollars a year. The first year we started working with a business coach and focusing on it. It's kind of like what you measure and track will grow. It's that old thing, like what you focus on will grow, what you uh, ignore will starve or die. Right. And so I just, by having it become a focus will automatically grow. This is like the coolest thing that it's like, you can't fail because if you're focusing and actually trying on it, it's going to happen. I think that, you know, when it comes to marketing, focus on being in a mindset of planting seeds and then eventually it'll grow. So you can do these flash specials or flash uh, sales on social media that will give you instantaneous results, but the results will be like one or two. But if you plant seeds of long-term marketing strategies and advertising, then all of a sudden six to 12 months in, it's like things blow up and you're going to be rocking it. Okay. Um, and let me go back to the fact that, you know, you, you put your, your money out there to say, I'm going to hire a manager. I'm going to take this risk, but the manager should be expected to have some results. You need to find people who are motivated. You need to find people who are driven by results, who really care about the company like you do, who are excited to see the numbers grow. And if you find the right person to fill these roles, they're going to, that 10 client color goal that we had to pay for their salary, that's like their first KPI, right? So if you don't know what a KPI is, that's your key performance indicator or you're like benchmark, right? So that's like the one thing. So if stylists say have benchmarks, maybe a stylist benchmark is like, hey, you need to sell, you know, five out of the 10 people you see today need to buy product from you. That's your retail benchmark. That's your goal. Well, that goal can be translated to your guest services team in regard to getting new guests in the door. So you make it an expectation. They're literally covering their own cost to be on the team by having that expectation to hit this amount of new clients in the door also, of course, even more important than new guests, retention, the stylist and the manager, guest service, everybody's goal should be maintaining relationships, nurturing those relationships and making sure that our guests come back over and over again. So if you only worked on, you know, counting two things, your retention, how many people are and how do you do that? How do you measure retention? Well, the one thing we actually have control over is pre-booking, getting them in for the next visit. And how do we actually do that? Well, we do that during the consultation. So the expectation isn't just about what we're going to do today for your service and appointment. It's about what we do next time to either maintain your look or bring it to the next season's look. We got a future vision for you. It's going to be this today and next time it looks like this. And here's when next time is. So it starts at the consultation. 
but then you got another layer of people helping on the back end, which is your manager at the front and you guest services people, making sure that they're prompting that pre-book and also your marketing person behind the scenes, sending out those automated reminder emails or texts. It takes the whole team. But if you just focus on your retention rate and your new client guest count every month and you have those goals, then boom, you're going to see awesome growth in your revenue as a company. I love that. So you have to focus on those particular numbers and also using those numbers, creating goals for those um, those areas so you can be able to afford that manager who then in turn can hold the team accountable to making sure that that's accomplished. So that's going to cover their uh, pay. Um, in addition, it's going to just evolve the company and continue to grow that. So tell me, I kind of want to shift here because you obviously have to have the right team of people to make, to carry out your vision, to carry out your dream of your business being financially successful. So can you talk to me a little bit about like, your team and then also meet your stylist and, and why is it so significant that this is in place to make sure that you can get your business to the next level? Absolutely. And thank you for asking. So the whole point of meet your stylist, which is a fun, easy, accurate matchmaking survey. And it's on your salon website. Essentially it's like you're like, we all have our own Instagram hair pages, your salon, would have their own Meet Your Style survey page. So when people are filling this survey out, they're gonna match with the top three stylists at your salon. And the whole reason we even started this thing is because at our salon, our best people were pretty darn booked. And the people that weren't tended to be new to the industry. And there's already this psychological thing that takes place in the mind of the buyer, where if I'm gonna see somebody that's like lower, then probably aren't gonna be as good. Now the person coming in, they're kind of like a little nervous, which it is a fact, my friends, that people are more scared to see a new hairstylist than a new dentist. This is true. So they're already nervous. We already know that the behavior of people who, oh, I'm seeing a new stylist, I hope they listen, I hope they don't mess it up, you know. <laughs> so they come in and already this is such a burden. So stylists are more have more anxiety than ever meeting somebody new because they have to prove themselves, hey, you can trust me. And so how do we really eliminate titles, costs, where it doesn't matter? It doesn't matter how much you charge. Again, because people behaviorally either, either typically want the best or the least expensive. There is no in between. You're going to have your people going to the quick cost cutting haircut places. Those they have that demographic. They don't care. It's the cost, right? Or you're going to people that the best. And most of us are competing to be considered among the best in our area. And so when you're working with clients who are looking for that, how do you eliminate, it's not the price then, and how do you eliminate just the mindset of like, who am I seeing? I don't know. Like they're nervous about seeing a new stylist. At our salon, we really wanted to help grow the clientele for everybody. So it's either get in right away, which most people want to do, with a stylist that's a great fit for you, regardless of their title or level, or if you're matched with somebody who is, has a huge demand because of that connection, that match, you are willing to wait the three months before you can get in with them for the first time. And we are, aren't we? I had to wait a long time to get in to see my med spa injector. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. But I waited because I was like, okay, I want good lips. Like I need a little bit more and I need, I want it done right. And you would never guess they're very natural looking, but I was willing to wait because I knew she's the best, right? 
So it, it basically, it's behavioral economics. This behavioral science and the, and the basis for Meet Your Styles is that this is how people buy. This is why they buy the way they do. So I'm like, well, where can I capture the attention of people who are not guests of ours yet before they even come in? Well, social media, hello. But guess what? 90% of people who are going to come into your salon are still going to go to your website first. Now think about all this traffic coming to your salon website. What are they doing? You don't know because there's nothing there for them. Nobody's signing up for newsletters anymore. And so they're coming, they're visiting your website. What happens? Well, 80% of the people landing on your website have never been in before. So you have your 20% of people who are like, oh, I'm going to check on the phone number again, the address, or I'm going to go book online. Like they come back for that. But everybody else coming to your website, they don't come in. They're not your clients yet. You have a huge opportunity to engage with them. And what better way than a survey that's all about them? Of course, they want to know if they're going to come to your salon. Of course, they want to know who do, who do I book with? Who should I see? So they fill out Meet Your Stylist survey, and it's based on personality profiling, love languages, lifestyle preferences, values. None of it's based on gender, anything that would be discriminatory. It's really been powerful to see how much people love it. We just got a Google review the other day that somebody said, hey, I filled out this matchmaking survey you have. And I was with this new styles and she is the first thousand forever. I feel like as a friend, this was like, I, I, I can't even tell, like, it was like three paragraphs long. This review was awesome. And most Google reviews that are three paragraphs long are what? Terrible. So I was like, yes, you know, <laughs> this is awesome. And so really it's, it's really helped us convert a ton of those website visitors into lifetime clients. Uh, we averaged 121 new guests at our salon every single month just through Meet Your Style. So that's 1,600 new guests, 1,620 new guests to be exact, which helped us based on our average ticket of being $85 across the board at our salon that help us generate an additional $137,700 in new revenue in a year. So if we're talking money or numbers, like this is my, this is great because um, that's been our number one lead gen source conversion on our website tool and also retention because if we get yes in with the stylist is a great fit for them they'll actually come back so what happens is and what we were seeing and most salons know this because our retention rates are not awesome they see like oh this guest came in they saw maria maria is lovely the haircut was really nice but i didn't really click with maria my tendency and behavior as a consumer is I'm not going to go back to that salon again. <laughs> I mean, there's so many options. I'm not going to like risk running into Maria the next time I'm in. And then Maria's going to think I don't like her. And it's not that. It's just I didn't, I didn't, you know, it wasn't like the one. And so what happens is if we don't get the guest in with the right stylist the first time, we typically lose that opportunity. Just by having Meet Your Stylist match our salon or our future guests with three stylists at our salon, we're showing them a couple things. One, there's more than one person here that's a great fit for you. So in regard to retention, if we have a stylist that goes on maternity leave or paternity leave, how do we make sure that their guests don't go elsewhere out of fear that that stylist is probably not going to come back again? Well, of course, we say, hey, try meet your stylist and you're going to see who else can take care of you until this stylist comes back from maternity leave. Or it could be that they are no longer at your salon. Well, what then? How do you encourage um, guests who, by the way, consumers want to be at one location. They like coming in. 
They like the familiarity. So it, I, I don't, you know, diss on people who go independent or anything. I'm just saying that can be a traumatizing experience for somebody because change is trauma, no matter if it's positive or negative. And so unless you got it really bad, consider that your consumers actually like coming to the same spot every time and feel really comfortable and good about it. So for some reason, somebody leaves or a stylist moves, how do you encourage those guests that you can be here? You can stay underneath our roof and continue to do business with us because we have awesome stylists here that are also a great fit for you. I love that because the saying's true. People want to do business with who they know, like, and trust. And that like factor, um, I think, is is key for a lot of people. And I've heard that complaint before in the past of like, oh, I didn't really connect with that person. We spend so much of our money in this business on advertising and promoting and marketing our staff that we would hate to see a misfit and that would cause those leaks in that business. And so this is such a brilliant, brilliant platform that you created to help business owners retain guests into their salon for their hard-earned money. Um, this is incredible. Like who, what salon owner would this be good for? Like, is there like a, a size, uh, that you think is a sweet spot or. Yeah. Minimally, you have to have at least five stylists on your team, of course, because you're going to match people with their top three at your salon. So if you don't have more than, if you have, to have less than five, it gets a little awkward because everybody's a match, you know, <laughs> so the five is our minimum requirement, but we find that salons that are Re- their revenues around that 300 to 350 spot or more. That's the right fit because now you have a bit of a marketing budget. You're willing to invest. You have somebody who, like we talked about at the very beginning, if the owner's behind the chair full time, there's no way to focus on the business. So you got to have somebody who's willing to head up marketing to some degree. There's, there's some nurturing involved in setup and it's not hard. It's very, very easy to get going. But if, if you already love marketing your company, this is going to be the best sales funnel that you ever take on and use. I promise the results are there. And we work with most of the top 200 salons throughout North America. So we are available in Canada and the U.S. And we have multi-location salons that are doing multi-million dollars. But I would say as kind of a starting point, depending on where people are at, that's really the minimum requirement to join um, to be very, very successful, which is what we want you to be and we'll work with you we are your salon marketing company who out there helps people with salon marketing i don't know either that's us I <laughs> so love we it. don't actually yes. do it for you we're not gonna like be an agency that runs you know your post for you but we're gonna be think of like your consultant and just by being a meet your stylist partner of ours you get to tap into not just our expertise but the expertise of all of these incredible salons that are partnering with us as well so it's really been an awesome community and um, I'm just looking forward to the coming years and, and continuing to see this grow. That's amazing. Thank you so much for um, creating that for mm-hmm. our industry. It definitely was a missing gap. And I love the fact that you're talking about sales pages, funnels, and conversions. It gets me so excited. <laughs> so I, I, that is just amazing. Now, is another question about that. Is this a membership? Is it a monthly payment? Is it just one, a yearly fee? What, what does that look like to, to have meet your stylist as a salon owner? Oh, it's a great question. So we're under $200 a month. It's $197 per month. 
and you don't have any contracts with us, we actually gift you with the first month complimentary just to give you some time to get your stylist put in there because you'll pop in there a little headshot and a little bio about them. They'll have access to do that themselves if you're more hands-off with that. It's really a quite robust program and you can either even turn on and off of services you do or don't provide at your salon. So there's a lot of cool features. Um, and, and typically our average salon has a 46% return on their investment. That's huge. And, and how we know that is most of our salons convert 35 to 55% of the people taking the survey. So what that means is if you have 10 people taking your survey, four of them are coming in to do business with you. That's huge. There is no Facebook ad I've ever run that gets me that result. In fact, I got wise at one point in all my Facebook ads, use Meet Your Styles as the call to action. And we teach people how to put those ads in place if that's something you like to do. But more importantly, if you are literally just posting on your own social media and you want to drive more leads to your salon, we just teach you how to use Meet Your Styles as the call to action. It's really simple. I can share one quick. If you're posting a balayage pic, you know, photo that your stylist just did, the color is beautiful. You're going to shine a light on how beautiful it is. How easy it is, is it to, after you put whatever you would normally put as the caption, to just simply add, hey, wondering if, um, let's say Tara is the stylist. Wondering if Tara is the best stylist for you? Try our Meet Your Stylist survey. Click the link in our bio and see for yourself. So it's so easy to incorporate in all these different avenues. We teach you how to do it. And it's, um, I have salons who say, you know what? I paid double this for our results and I have salons who are a little scared maybe to, if that's their first time ever paying for anything with marketing and advertising, but we actually are the only company in our industry to guarantee an, a return on your investment. And how do we do that? Well, it's simple. What's your salon average ticket? Let's say it's $80. I mean, the average uh, throughout the U.S. is I think $70. But if we say, okay, our program is 197 a month and we'll be conservative, we'll say the 70. If I divide that by $70, which means if a new guest comes in through this platform and the average guest spends 70 and I'm spending $200 to get them, I need three new guests every month only, only three new guests that would pay for this program. Well, I'll share with you, one of our salons is in Austin, Texas. It's Urban Betty Salon. Oh. And in just one year, they had over 16,000 leads come oh through. Oh my gosh. To meet your stylist. So think about if every four out of 10 are coming in, now you have 16,000 in one year. Like, think about that. They're not going, well, I won't say they're not going anywhere, but I love Shelly. We have a great relationship. I know that we're in this committed relationship forever because the results are there. I love that. And I think that it's so important that we are, like you said, what you are tracking that's what's going to be growing. And it's so important that we are continuing to grow our team and grow the amount of guests that are coming in and making sure that we're able to retain those guests. So this is just like a, a brilliant um, a relationship that you can help your guests or help your staff build their clientele. I love that. Well, stylists, yeah, thank you. Stylists love it because they actually fill out their part of the survey. So if the power is in their hands to say, who do you do your best work with? If you had this type of person sit in your chair over and over again, every single day, who would you want? What service would you love to provide? And that's where this becomes so impactful for them. 
So the owner gets this tool because from a business and marketing perspective, it's very smart to do so. But at the same time, they're empowering the individuals on their team and allowing them to, to shine a light on who they love to work with and what they love to do behind the chair. It's such a win-win uh, it's such a win-win situation. I love that. Katie, is there any last like words that you would want to share with our guests or with our listeners about money talk and scaling a business and growing a business? I know that you have uh, shared so much already today with your journey. And I mean, you're just such a girl boss. I, I just love you so much. Is there any last things that you would want to share with our yeah, listeners? Yeah, I'd love to share that we are in this kind of industry where being beautiful, looking beautiful, looking amazing is there's like this pressure to live up to um, what the cool salon brands are doing and who they are. Lay down any pride you have or any um, insecurities that you have, set it aside and surround yourself with people who know what you don't. So whether that's getting a business coach, a mentor, reaching out to even a salon in your area that you would consider a competitor, but, but drawing near to them and seeing if they're willing to help you or be willing to be where you're at and, if, and, and be willing to grow. And I really just, out of everything we said, I want to come back to, you can't do it alone. You shouldn't. If you want to be great, you got to let go of some of your control, your insecurities, your own issues, and like let somebody else help you and teach you the things about money and business, marketing, all that, that you don't know yet. And I promise you, your company will grow um, and the weights will be lifted off your shoulders over time. The pressure will be released. So that would be my biggest kind of final words of wisdom for people is surround yourself with great people who know what you don't, who are willing to help you get to the next level. Thank you so much, Katie. You are so beautiful inside and out. And I want to thank you so much for um, letting us listen into all of your journey and your story. Where can our listeners find you? Well, of course, I would say go to meetyourstylist.com. So go there and check it out. Um, otherwise, connect with me on Instagram. It's Katie Whitledge, which is spelled K-A-T-I-W-H-I-T-L-E-D-G-E. And I'd happy, be happy to start a conversation with you there. I love that. Thank you so much, you guys. I'm going to make sure in the show notes to include this. In addition to subscribing to the Beauty Business Game Changer podcast, make sure to subscribe to Beyond the Technique podcast as well to get all of Katie's information and knowledge and inspiration as well. So thank you so much, Katie, for joining us today. My pleasure, Jennifer. Thanks again for having me. Thanks for listening to the Beauty Business Game Changer podcast. If you love to keep track of your favorite shows, then subscribe to this podcast to receive the newest edition when it's released. This podcast was created with you in mind, so I'd love to get your review to learn how this podcast has helped you in your career. And because I love my listeners and want to connect more, join me in our free Facebook community at facebook.com forward slash groups forward slash salon and suite business. My mission is to help beauty professionals like you create a career that supports the life you want to live. Thank you for being a part of the journey.